Before we get to our scripture reading uh, today, I want to once again uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here with you. I am not happy about the reason uh, I was called upon, uh, the extension of Pastor John's need to recover from his surgery, uh, but <clears throat> given that circumstance, I was certainly happy to receive the call and the invitation uh, to be here once again. Our text is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through the first part of verse 8. And as we have done before, once again, I would ask if you would read this along with me as a unison reading, uh, remembering that these are the words of the one only true and living God. Uh, they are uh, infallible, uh, and they are our only rule uh, for faith, what we are to believe, and life how we are to live. Let's read these together. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And I was thinking back uh, to the days long ago uh, when you invited me to preach and we preached through a series on 1 Peter, and uh, I might have used this introduction before, uh, but I couldn't remember. And so I decided if I couldn't remember, the chances were high that you couldn't remember either. And so I will do that. Uh, the, the year was 1985. Uh, gas was $1.09 a gallon. Uh, a popular comic strip was appearing in the newspapers for the first time. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Nintendo uh, released its brand new Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. Microsoft Corporation released its first version of Windows, Windows 1.0. And also in the summer of 1985 uh, was the premiere of what has become a popular and I dare say iconic movie. Back to the Future, uh, and the uh, lead song at the beginning of Back to the Future was performed by Huey Lewis and the News, and of course it was The Power of Love. Let me share with you just a few of the lyrics uh, from that song. Uh, the power of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep, make another man sing. First time you feel it, it might make you sad. 
Next time you feel it, it might make you mad. But you won't feel nothing till you feel, till you feel the power of love, just the power of love. I think that is a good representative sampling back in 1995, and it has really only worsened <laughs> over the years, of the non-Christian world's view of what love is. Uh, love is a feeling, it is a force, it is an emotion that uh, drives you in certain directions to do and to say and to think certain things. Love is really a thing that is out of your control. It, it just comes on you and moves away from you at its own whim. Uh, love is not something that you can really control. You can't control love uh, any more than you can control the wind or control uh, a meteorite. Uh, that's the power of love, according to the prophet Huey Lewis. But when you read 1 Corinthians 13, you get a dramatically different view and perspective and definition of what uh, love is. And it sounds nothing like the lyrics to that song. Uh, biblical love is not ever defined or described or viewed as an emotion or something that is uncontrollable. We've said before and we say again that if you read 1 Corinthians 13, what the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit lays out is the fact that love is a promise to be or to do the 15 things that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't believe any of the 15 have anything to do with our emotions out of control. I will not be doing this, but at this point it would be so easy to digress into the facts about love. In the Bible, love is a command. Love one another, Jesus says, as I has loved, have loved you. Husbands, love your wife, as Christ loved the church. In 1 Corinthians, I mean 1 John 4, which was just in our scripture reading, it talks about God's commanding us to love. And God never commands our feelings. He commands things that we can do, even when we don't feel like it. And so that, that's why we're taking a deep dive into 1 Corinthians 13. First of all, because we are not immune from being influenced by the world. We're immersed in the world's notion of love. And sadly, even as Christians, we can unknowingly be infected by that worldly definition of love. And that's why we always need to be coming back to the scriptures. What does God say? What does God think? What is God's view of what love is and what love does? So I can know uh, how I measure up. Am I doing it? Uh, again, we mentioned this last uh, Lord's Day. It's not a question of are others doing it. The only question is, am I being the kind of loving person that is described in 1 Corinthians 13? And also on the front of the worship bulletin here, I did notice it said Christ Church, OPC, biblical confessional, reformed. Hallelujah. I vote yes. <laughs> you know, that, that is great. Those are hallmarks of a strong, Christ-loving church. And to the extent 
that you would add, I believe, appropriately from the scriptures, loving, biblical, confessional, reformed, and loving, then yes, this is a Christ-honoring church. We are a Christ-honoring people. We are Christ church. But what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 is we can be biblical. We can be right about the Bible as the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. We can be confessional, embracing the historic beliefs of the church derived from Scripture, not inventing new things just because they're clever or culturally relevant, but our faith rooted in the Scriptures and supported by the confessions. And we can be reformed. Our theology can be precise and accurate. But if we have not love, Jesus comes in and says, you need to change the front of your bulletin from Christ church to nothing church. Because Jesus says, in my view, that's what you are. If you have not love, even if you have all of these other things, which are good, but these things without love, Jesus says, reduces us to nothing. And so we dare not minimize the importance of biblical, confessional, reformed, nor do we minimize the biblical and Christ-centered importance of being a loving people and a loving church. We've looked at 10 of the 15 in the list in 1 Corinthians 13, so we'll pick up the last five today. Number 11 is love bears all things. The original Greek word here that's translated bears all things means to put a roof over or on top. And so the picture here is love shelters from harmful and hostile forces from the outside. Love protects from that which would damage unnecessarily uh, others around it and destroy the occupants inside. Protects the way uh, a roof protects the inhabitants from the hostile forces of nature, the rain, the hail, and so forth. Love protects the reputation of others. When we discover flaws, faults, failures in others, the opposite of love uncovers those and shares them with other. Love protects. Love covers. In fact, I believe there is a verse that talks about that. Love covers over uh, a multitude of sins. And I could not help but think of this this morning. Uh, in the Old Testament, the, the highest of high holy days is called Yom Kippur. Uh, some of you with Jewish friends or acquaintances may be familiar with that. It's the season in the fall. There's the, the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and uh, following that is the Day of Atonement, is the translation, or the Hebrew is Yom Kippur. But the literal translation of the Hebrew words, Yom Kippur, uh, is Yom Day Kippur, is Hebrew for covering. It is literally the day of covering, the day in which God, through the sacrifice of the lamb for the nation, covered the sins of his people so that they were protected from his wrath and judgment. Love consistently presents others in the best light possible. 
And so two of the primary violations of this attribute of love, love always uh, uh, bears all things, love protects all things. Two ways in that which is often violated is through gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. I read this definition of gossip once and I've used it all my ministerial life because I think it's accurate and helpful. Gossip, telling detrimental information about someone who is not present with someone who is not part of the problem and not part of the solution. Sharing detrimental information about someone who's not present with someone who's not part of the problem and not part of the solution. Gossips flourish where people listen. And so when we listen to gossip, we participate in their sin. You want to drive a gossip out of the church? Quit listening to them. Cut them off at the knees because that's how they survive. And if no one will listen to them, they'll go somewhere else. And so we ought to always have sort of humming in the background just a little bit. When someone's talking to us about somebody who's not present in a detrimental way, a little flashing light should go on. Am I part of the problem? Am I part of the solution? If I'm not part of the problem and I'm not part of the solution, we need to employ that good Texas word, whoa. <laughs> you know, we just need to say, you know, brother, sister, I love you, I care about you, you know, but have you talked to them? You know, you're talking to me about them. Have you, have you gone to talk to them? You know, because I don't think I'm part of the problem and I don't think I'm part of the solution. And Jesus says you need to talk to them first before you do anything. Gossip. The other is slander. Now, slander is not lying, by the way. Slander is telling the truth in such a way that it damages someone else's reputation. The intention of slander is to hurt someone. And I will never forget, because it was so horribly painful, the first time that I can remember being guilty of that. We had a bunch of guys living together in about a four-bedroom house. And so we shared expenses, shared the... Uh, you know, utility bills, and one of the brothers, one of my best friends, you know, didn't pay his part of the electric bill one month. You know, whether he forgot or didn't have funds, I don't remember. And I remember sitting in a Bible study and telling a couple other friends about Marty not paying his bill. You know, just in casual conversation, you know. And it wasn't that same night that God convicted me, like, oh, no, you know, what does that do? That puts Marty in a bad light. I wasn't lying. I was telling the truth, you know. So you know what I had to do. You know, first of all, I had to go to Marty and confess that I had slandered him before, and would he forgive me? Then I had to go back to the other, I don't know what it was, five or six people <laughs> and told them that what I had said was, that was, I hope, a helpful curative <laughs> for never wanting to go through that Again, uh, slander is telling the truth in such a way that the intention is to hurt someone else's uh, reputation. Love says, I will never give a bad report about you behind your back unless I talk to you first. Love always protects, always bears uh, all things. Doesn't mean we won't tell the truth in love. It just means we always make sure we're saying the right things to the right person and at uh, the right 
time. As I said, that the Yom Kippur day of covering, this is how Jesus has loved us. Uh, Jesus has covered our sins by his own death on the cross. He has shielded us from what we've deserved by absorbing in his body the wrath of God, not for his sins, because he didn't have any, you know, but for our sins. So that he took the judgment of God and we are protected. Love always protects. Number 12, uh, love believes all things. Love believes all things. The intention here is not that love is gullible. That was what I kept thinking. I was reading, love believes all things. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not what it means. What it means is when I hear something, I'm to trust it unless I have good reason not to trust it. Okay, so this is, love is not skeptical automatically. Love is not cynical automatically. Love believes it unless there's a reason not to believe it. Uh, it turns out that the word that's translated here, believes all things, is the same Greek word as faith. Same word as faith. And so love has faith in Christ and puts faith in other people unless proven otherwise. I think another way of putting it is love takes risks because it's willing to put itself out there even though it may have been wrong. Love believes the best about another person in any given situation until proven wrong. Here's another one. Love gives the benefit of the doubt, especially when all the facts are not yet uh, known. Uh, willing to take a risk uh, rather than being hurt or, or, uh, or cynical. Love is not cold, callous, aloof, standoffish. But love is willing to, again, put, put ourselves out there for the sake of another person. Uh, Christ understands us perfectly. When he, we sin, he, he does not remove himself from our lives. He never condones our sinning, but he understands how we have sinned and why we have sinned. Number 13, uh, love hopes all things. That is, love maintains an attitude of expectation for good in any and every uh, situation. We could say love is optimistic. And when I read this, love hopes all things, uh, just recently I was watching with my grandchildren an old, old Disney movie, The Parent Trap. And you're like, oh, the one with Lindsay Lohan. No, the old, old, you know, the one with Haley Mills, you know, 14 BC. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we were, we were watching that. But around that same time, um, by the way, in sixth grade, I had a huge crush on Haley Mills. That's an aside. Um, <laughs> remember that. Uh, but she, there also another movie came out uh, called Pollyanna. And, and Haley Mills was the star of that. And there was this um, crusty, sourpuss nanny uh, in the home where... Pollyanna, Haley Mills was, was living. And whenever difficult things or negative things would happen, uh, Pollyanna told this uh, crusty old nanny that she would play the glad game. And you're like, you know, what's the glad game? And, and, and Pollyanna explained, it's like, you know, we're trying to look at the positive in any and every uh, situation. You know, I, I think there's something uh, to that. We use Pollyanna usually as a negative cliche. You know, it means they're not looking at reality. You know, in the context of that movie, that's not really what was happening. 
It was basically taking a Romans 8.28 perspective on what was happening, which is, you know, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how this is going to be for my good. I don't know why, what it's going to accomplish. But I know that God is in control and that he is working it for good. And, and this is a critical perspective for life and for love because we're going to run into hard situations, hard circumstances, uh, challenging uh, situations, challenging people, hard to deal with people. Dif not in this church, I don't mean that. Uh, you know, difficult, but we all have families. Uh, you know, di difficult uh, people. And this is why this Romans 8.28 perspective of love is, uh, is so important. That we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him and have been called according uh, to his purpose. And, and we see this practiced in the life of Jesus in relationship to Peter. You know, Peter is the you know, patron saint of failure. <laughs> Denies Christ three times and assumes he's done. Jesus had every right never to call upon Peter again. Now, but, but Jesus continues uh, to have optimistic expectations for Peter. And he forgives him and he restores him to his place of apostleship. And Peter, all of Peter's failures now become useful in his ministry uh, as, as, as an apostle and as one of the authors of, uh, of Scripture, quite a bit of Scripture, as it uh, turns out. Two letters, and every Bible scholar I can find believes that Mark's, the uh, Gospel of Mark, Mark's source material was... Peter. So Peter is responsible uh, for a good portion of, uh, of the New Testament, and that's after proving himself to be a colossal failure. But, but love keeps on hoping uh, and, and looking for the best in people, even after they've failed us. Number 14, love endures. Love endures all things. This word is a military term. And it means to hold one ground in the face of fierce opposition or attack. This is to dig in and withstand the onslaught uh, that's being waged against you. Love remains on the scene. It doesn't give up, it doesn't give in, and it doesn't run away. And we would again ask, do we ever see this in the life of Jesus? Yes, we do, especially at the end. Jesus is deserted by his friends. He's betrayed by one of his 12 closest companions. He's mocked and scorned by the very people he came to save. He's assaulted by the forces of hell, and he's placed under the wrath and curse of Almighty God. But he never gives in. He never gives up and he never runs away. He says, I must stay the course because it's the only way people can be saved. And so Jesus loved us and he gave himself up for us against all the opposition 
of hell and the wrath of God itself, he endured for our sake. Love endures uh, all, all things. And then verse 8, uh, the old translations, and it's, it's got to be the one that I think most of us uh, hear and are used to hearing is, you know, you know love and bears all things, hopes all things. You know. Love never fails. I think a lot of translations translate the first part of verse 8. Love never fails. And so we sort of grow up hearing that. You know, love never fails, but inevitably, you know, you run across someone who will say, well, I tried loving and it didn't work. You know, don't tell me love never fails. <laughs> you know, I, 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 let me give testimony about why the Bible is wrong because I loved and loved and loved and loved, you know, and it failed. It didn't work. Okay, well, what do you mean it didn't work? Well, I, I, I you know, went the extra mile in loving and doing the 15 things it says that love says and uh, love is and, and, and love does, and, and yet the, the person who was the object of my love didn't change. They didn't improve. They didn't respond in like kind. Or my circumstances or the situation I'm in didn't get better. Oh, now we see. So you weren't loving for loving's sake. Basically, your love was conditional. I will keep loving as long as I see some change on the other end or provided my circumstances change. You know, that's not love, that's manipulation. <laughs> and so the, the ESV, our translation, is trying to wrestle with that and give us something a, a little better to hand on. And so it, it uh, hang on to, so it says, love never ends, you know, and that's good because the intent here is love never stops loving. If, if it's real love, there's no end to it. That's what it means. It never, it never love never fails to love, is what Paul is, is really saying. And, and when I have thought of this in the, in the past, I've, I've thought of, I don't see this commercial very much before and now, but um, I used to see it a lot. The Energizer Bunny. Is that thing around anymore? I, I mean, anybody remember? The, am I the only one who remembers the Energizer Bunny? Wow, I am the only one. Okay, a few of Okay, it's not that old. Come on now. Uh, uh, sort of thing. But this was for the Energizer battery. It was a little pink bunny, and he had sunglasses and sandals and a drum, you know. And he was just, and the, the, the shtick was Energizer bunny and Energizer batteries. They just keep going and going and going and going. You know, it was the long life of the battery that was being advertised. Well, that's what love is and does. Love is the Energizer bunny of loving. It just keeps loving and loving and loving, and it never runs out of gas. Uh, it never stops, and it never, it never ends. Again, where do we see this? We see this in the love of God for us. God's love for us never ends. It never runs out. It never comes to the end of its rope. Or to put it another way, what can make God stop loving us? Paul tells us, what can make God stop loving us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Neither death 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future. He knows what's coming. He knows what we're going to do already. And he's already set his love on us. But God knew I was going to do this. He never would have loved me. He knew. He still loved you. Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate you from God's love, nor separate God's love from us. Let's pray. Indeed, what wondrous love is this, that you have set your love upon sinners, that you have demonstrated your love in sending your son who volunteered to come and die in our place and pay the penalty for sin that we deserved so that we could be set free. And nothing in all creation can stop you or keep you from loving us because you are God Almighty. We thank you for your infinite, eternal, and unchangeable love for us. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be more loving in all that we are, all that we say, and all that we do for your honor and glory's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.